cost drifted alarmingly in the betting was, you know, fancy in the morning continued to drift. It was late on the on the exchanges to, to lose. It was something you'd see in a, in a Dick Francis novel, Charles Bottoms. Ground is soft, it's not... It's oh, it's not, heavy. It's soft on time, so it's heavy. Okay. And a very warm welcome to the Bastards Inquiry Sunday Sermon. I do hope you're having a fabulous Sabbath so far. Uh, however, myself, Lee Keys of SystemBet.co.uk, and uh, my partner in crime, John Leng of John Joe's Blogspot, uh, are now here to uh, probably ruin it. <laughs> Mr. John Leng. Was uh, was Friday enough of a dose of the ginger Hitler for you on Friday show? I can't wait for the next one, you know, as long as it's Melbourne Cup, Eve, or something like that. <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, it'll be out of his Panzer tank around Saltburn today, I presume, and you know, walking on beach for you know, from, with well, all minds and. I must be looking for punishment because I actually went to a barbecue with his place after the derby yesterday. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, I did, and uh, he did all the coking. It was exceptionally good. I couldn't believe it. Quite jealous, actually. I, mm. bet, I bet, I bet that would have been a cracking, cracking night. He yeah. made a tremendous job of the globe. He really did. Well any, impressed. Any pace? No, no. Dog at any time. Splendid. Um, I mean, it wasn't a, a bad show. I, mean, I think I think the Hitler actually tipped up for um, a twelve to one winner. I believe. Yeah, somebody said that. Uh, uh, Slipped my mind. You know, I mean, that's under the carpet. That we don't we don't talk that really, do we? It's no good. No, no, no good at all. Um, right, we'll crack on with the show. It's, we've got quite a bit to uh, talk about. We've got several questions, some good ones, and. I'm going to finish off with covering off the derby and what me and John think going forwards for the staying uh, middle distance three-year-old Colts. Uh, if there's anything in there that we, we, you know, that we've spotted that could uh, find some nice races this season, some some for your trackers, whatever. Um, so we'll start with the questions, and I'll start with the. It's a. It's, it's too much for a Sunday, really. Michael Green uh, asking to think. Ask, but Michael Green asks, do we as punters have a tendency? to pay too much consideration to bigger price market moves than of those heading the market. For example, a horse chalked up, say, 18 to 1 into 5 to 1 has a reduction factor of 11.4%. Similarly, similarly a 5 to 4 shot into 4 to 5 has the same reduction factor uh, in 11%. Uh, both very similar. Um, betting companies and television pundits make a song or dance about, about a, a big gamble but not the former, especially if it wins, you know, whilst the latter would barely be mentioned. Um, for, for me, for me, Michael, I, I get where you're coming from. The math is correct. Um, however, if you think if you think about it like this, bottom line stuff, and uh, a listener of ours, Nick Davis, will also think like this, is that if you've got an 11% edge on a 33 to 1 chance, that makes that your price 33 to 1 chance up at around the 6 to 1 mark. So that's a one in seven chance. So therefore, one in seven of those 33 to one chances are going to win on average, which then means so you stake seven bets, you've, re- you've won 33, um, you are now sort of 26, 26, 26 points up over those seven bets. So, so over the, each seven bet period, you should be winning 26 points over the seven bets. You do the same for, for a five to four shot, that makes it four to five. 
and let's be generous, let's say four out of those seven bets win, that's a two points profit in every seven bets because you return nine points from your four winners. So, so the point is that that's why they make a song and dance about it because basically the bottom line, whenever you're punting big prices, you, you're going to make far more money. That's, you know, as long as you can get on, which is not easy in this day and age, um, you know, you, you're going to make more money. John, would you agree with that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I, th- I think we all, everyone loves a big price gamble anyway because basically it means it's been missed by the... Uh, by, by by the form book by everyone you know it, it, it's kind of it's kind of considered shrewd because to, to obviously to be 33 to one you've, you've not really got much chance you've basically well, yeah one in one in 34 chance um so therefore when it's gambled into sixes fives whatever it's kind of it's kind of you know they, they've fooled the public if you like because the public can't spot it so i think that's why it's a song and dance about it michael but you you do make a fair point on maths so i'm giving you that but yeah, that's why, in in our in our opinion, um, me and John think so. Uh, second question is from John Smith, and um, he says, "Question for the podcast, uh, John: Do rule fours apply to anti-post non-runner no bets?" Um, despite the protestations of plenty of people this week after the late withdrawal in the Derby and of the Eden Horses and. Everything else, no. Um, the the reason being basically, if you are taking a, an anti-post price in good faith, where where do you deserve to be hit with a roll for just because the bookmakers want to put a non-running no bet concession on? Bookmakers yeah. have to take that on the chin, rightly so. Yeah, you you. So, I mean, I, I, I we we talked about this pre-show, and you, you sort of like put me around this. I think I think you're spawn. I think that yeah, you know, I was thinking that maybe maybe he does he does get taken into account because I don't do much anti-post punting really. Um, and you, no, but you make he's totally right. If they offer that concession, then they're going to stand to it. It's tough. If if favourite gets pulled out, tough. You know they, they've got to stand to it because you're just on a non-runner no bet rule. So from from that point, so I, yeah. So John's John's right. I think it should be no rule four. So. I don't know anyone that's experienced that. If you want to get in touch with us on that subject, maybe enlighten us on, on experience you've had, you've had with that. Uh, we like the old sure. green sale service now on the Spartan Lake. A- absolutely, yeah. Ibas. Ibas. Yeah, Ibas. They were useless as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Um, right, we move on to more Epsom-related questions. Um, obviously, because we're covering off the derby and what we think. And... Jay Punter's got in touch, and it sounds like he's had a torrid time with the classics, Jay Punter. He says, as a form book punter, John, has this been the most frustrating flat season ever? Epsom winners yesterday, 28-1, to 18-1, to 25-1, to 16-1. How do you go about playing these big race markets? Well, Chase, he's making a very early call, to be honest. There was no lad out yet, you know, and he always used to say to me, Never have a bet after the ledger, but never have a bet before the derby. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it didn't give you much of a window, but you used to do all right yourself, lad. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I don't think there's a little bit of magic in it that up until Epsom, really, they're, they're probably still sorting themselves out to a certain degree. And uh, you can't be too confident about anything. I mean, the, the derby's turning into a funny race for me. Um, 
I mean, for years and years and years, I mean, it habitually threw up the best horse in the race, didn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was as though the, the course had some kind of magic about it that it could sort out the, the, the best prospect in, 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 the, in the race. But of late, I don't know. I mean... I mean, this thing was, I had to take him out for a giant prayer, but I have to be honest, you know, I mean, I, I, I could not say this winning yesterday. Um, whether it's improved enormously at home, I doubt it very much. Apparently, Appleby had to have his arm twisted nearly halfway up his back to run it. Yeah. Um, well done on your tip, Mojo Star, that chased him on, but, you know, as we discussed before the show, we, we couldn't have that running to a ridiculous level like what you could have been giving no. Derby winners in the past. No, I wasn't. Um, I wasn't talking winning the Derby in the no. preview. I was. I was merely highlighting it couldn't be that price, and we could. Yeah. We could have some fun with some exotics or maybe some yeah. place bets. Really, that was all it was. Yeah. I mean, we've had a fairly unregarded. Oaks winner. I mean, she's got stuffed more times than enough as a two-year-old, and then she's come out relatively unfancied in a trial. Let me right? Ponced up. Still hasn't encouraged Ryan Moore to get off a maiden winner after she's won a group three or group two, whatever it is. Let me You know, there's never any suggestion Ryan Moore was going to ride her in the Oaks. She's gone and won by six wickets. Um, I mean, if there was a race in a fortnight with the Derby winner and the Oaks winner in, what would you back? Very, very good question. Very, very good question, that. Um, the, I'm going to say the Derby winner on that because of the times. The, I, I was quite unimpressed by the Oaks time, in fact. Though, then again, I might have got that wrong in a way. Because it was it was slower than the Coronation Cup, but then I'm not considering weight for age, am I? You know, I mean, when you take the weight for age into it, pro, pro, no, you pro, to be honest, no, just forget what I've just said. I mean, it was it was slightly slower than the Coronation Cup, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I need to look at the Oaks in more depth, I think, to see if that 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 flatters either flatters it or. Or it is this is genuine. Like you said, the, the thing is, we said this about Aidens before, though, John. Like, we, he seems to get slow burners. Like, yeah. Where, where, they, where they sort of they finishing third in maidens at Gowron Park, getting beat by handicappers, and all, and all of a sudden they just take off, and then they'll win a listed race, and then then he steps them up to group to a group two, and then they finish in second in that, and you think, well, they're all right, but they, and then, and then all of a sudden they're coming out at, at, at three and. He's done this before, you know. I mean, uh, was it was it winter? I think was 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 getting getting beat at two. I could be wrong. It might might be wrong horse I'm thinking of, but it was it was it was one deep. Really, it could have been love. Was it love? No, it can't be love. Was it love? No, peeping farm that run loads of times. Could have been that. You know, it's like it's it, 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 it's like. For some reason, some just really developed late, which is, you come back to the point that you said to, in reply to Jay Punter, where you said about the, the chap that said, don't have a bet before the derby or, or after mm. the ledger. And that that's an old 
you know, piece of wise words there. Because you think about the the rate horses mature, you've got more of an idea now about everything. There's, 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 you can see horses progressing physically. You can see horses that are now becoming the finished article. And, and there's a lot of sense to that. Um because it has been difficult to predict. Um, I can't I won't lie, it's, it's not been easy. But well, no, be- you've got about like six weeks and John Leeper was full of promise. And you watch the derby yesterday, you, you bet all hell he's been done locked. You know, and you, you know, you, you'd be concerned about his future for the rest of the season now after that. Yeah. They, he folded up like a cardboard box, didn't he? Might might be too much too soon for him. It's just it, 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 you know like Dunlop, Dunlop, didn't it? Dunlop, yeah. Dunlop and Johnston. Well, the minute the minute he was named after the old fella, he was going to Epsom, wasn't he? You know? Yeah. Um, and that's where you worry about horses being in certain people's hands. Yeah. And I mean this this Aiden thing with the, with the slow burn. I think he's. A case of its training methodology we need to get used to because if, if say, for example, Stout has a similar type, he'll just run it once before it's four year old. <laughs> it, you know, and, and Aiden's not asked if he gets it beat 14 times. I think that's it. I think we're used to National Hunt crowd as well. So, like, the National Hunt crowd now have become you can't get beaten. You know, you, it's like, with every champion you've got, it's not like Desi. Oh, we'll run it fifty kilo overweight in Jim Ford, you know, and and we're not bothered if we get beat. It's like it's like all these stars now. They they don't they, they do race course preps. They they don't they don't go on track and and yeah. with a trainer warning saying this is as fat as butter. But we yeah. thought you'd like to see him, and we'll we'll, we'll get our best. But obviously this is it's not the plan today. We we. we you know, we've got to run, we need to run somewhere, but they just won't run them. Um, and what, you, what you've got to remember as well about the whole Ballydoyle setup is that while Aidan O'Brien's the front man and standing there saying, listen to this, listen, 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 and all the rest of it, John Magnet is the one driving the bus. Yeah. And he loves nothing more than a proven hard-running mare. If if you've got a mare that's run twenty five times before being shipped off to stud, he'd be all over that. Yeah. Because he yeah. loves soundness, he loves a genuine attitude, and he really doesn't give a monkey for brilliance on the damn side. But he loves a stallion that you build a statue to on it. Yeah. Which I mean, I mean, we'll we'll get on to. I'll, I'll come back to this when we when we look through we look through the derby because. There's a point here that obviously I think applies here, but uh, I'll just get on to further questions. Frankie on the blowers being on, he says, how come Adair changed the form around from Lingfield uh, with thir- third realm by 15 lengths? Uh, Appleby wasn't even going to, going to run Adair, which you just highlighted, John, um, until his boss told him to. Um, I mean, I saw third realm. It, it was pulling like Boris Johnson for the first three furlongs. And it wasn't. It wasn't the same ride and race as Lingfield. It just wasn't. It. He couldn't win for me after two furlongs third realm. But you know that. That's what I saw. Yeah, I'd rock along with that. I think uh, third realm 
along with several others, ran a pretty piss-poor race. Yeah. To be fair. Um, I mean, the favourite gets struck in tow. There's a video going around of the the one that looks like he was looking up to sever a tender. Yeah. Um, we saw Jim's arse and John Leaper make a bold move just on straightening up that lasted all of 100 yards. We saw John Leaper folded up and Jim's arse pretty much flattened out as well. I don't think Jim's arse stayed or was maybe doing a shade so much in Manning's hands. But I think you can watch that derby back and back and back and and probably make excuses for maybe six or seven of them running well below farm there. Um, but, you know, um, I'm loath to really knock this winner because he, he's tight physically, whether, you know, whether I was saying it was a time for the loss or not, you know, I mean, he's a yeah, good sort. He, he just wouldn't be the type that screams Derby at you, you know. I mean, as you were saying to me earlier, you know, I mean, it's a waste of time looking for a ledger. I was no, this was going to Doncaster. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see. Well, let's go on. Let, let's let, let's start with the Derby then. Um, but I, th- I think we need we need to, we need to kick off the Derby with with the first thing that yeah, I think it will have pissed Ian Davies off as well. Um, <laughs> With his uh, anti-purse voucher on uh, the uh, William Haggis runner, uh, which was uh, Mahafa, which uh, William pulled out due to unsuitable ground. Now the interesting thing here, the ground didn't turn out that bad. And secondly, why why did William turn up walking the course, John, in his shagging shirt? I was a bit perplexed at that. I mean, uh, I'm. I'm... I've seen several trainers turn up at Epsom on Derby Day, and I've yet to see one turn up in the shagging shirt. <laughs> and, and yet there he was, um, in, in full-on shag mode, wasn't he? Um, I, I, I mean, that that was that was a, a, a call. I mean, he, he was he was on the promise there, you know, on the on the way back back to Maury, I think, you know. <laughs> it's it absolutely astonishing. I mean, I found myself thinking, well, where the hell is the suit that's going to match that? Yeah, medallion, etc. Yeah, yeah amazing. It was all there. Yeah. Yeah, um, it was, I think... yeah. Wow. It was, it was a genuine wow moment for the mate in that. Yeah. You know, insofar as I didn't even know he had a shirt like that. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, killed us, man. That's it. A, belt, a belter of a shirt from William Haggis. It got everyone going that on Twitter. Uh, it certainly got me going when I saw the picture. I'm thinking, wow, you know, where are you off to next? Um, yeah, it's good stuff, William, there. Um, well, yeah. as he gets where he was off to next, I mean, I thought he'd have been off up to the clerk's office to give him a stroke across the jaw, but he, he was madly, uh, well, he was, he was quite restrained about it all last night when he was on the telly. Well, so well, Cooper must be quite well got with these people. He's had Nick Lux sticking up for him, and now Posh Willie doesn't have a real dig, you know. So I think uh, Cooper's got friends in high places. I think. I mean, at first, I mean, obviously, I was very vociferously critical um, 
for producing a national flat oaks. Um, and it, you know, like the defense of it by the, by the media was for me just, just wrong. Um, but then in hindsight, right, you know, Captain Hindsight, you know, the, we know the Derby course dries out well. Uh, was William justified pulling it out? Like, you know, in the end, what do you think? Yes, because I think it's a horse that wants a bit of, it, it's not just good ground it wants, I think it wants a bit of proper bounce ground. Yeah, you rat, know. Rat, rattling ground, yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's the type of horse you could probably send to America and do rather well in their turf races, you know, and be a bit more confident about getting your ground because you could be pissing in the wind for two seasons, are you? Yeah. What our clerks can get away with. That's uh, fair comment. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I kind, I kind of, I kind of see it. I can see why people are saying why you're not running on on sort of near good ground. Um, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was probably, but it was probably just bordering on good, like you said, the, just the slightest tingy, slowest, slower side of good. There was fresh ground to that far rail, so that 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 probably helped. Um, but yeah, uh, it's a it's a it's a tough one. I do get why people also defend Clarks of the courses, but I don't get the reasons why they defend them because they say things like uh, it's set for the safety of the horses. There is, like you've said, John, and you've said this many a time, there is zero data, none, no, no nil, nil, nada, to say that overwatered or even watered ground saves, you know, saves horses' lives or, or makes horses not, you know, because whatever. There's no stats that ever mention watered ground. No. I mean, I've owned horses before where I've had jockeys tell me after the race, uh, she or he, didn't let himself down on the ground because horses are quite smart. Also, they're not. I mean, some are stupid, but the, the horses are quite smart. And if 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 they're on ground where it either hurts or it's not, you know, they're not they're not striding properly, they will not extend. So so it usually would save injury because of that reason. You know, it, it's that simple. And only Nick looks Nick looks statement saying, well, it was a real strong statement saying, well, well, you've you. If you watched, you know, if you watched Epsom over the years, you'll you'll understand why he's had to water. I have absolutely, you know, there's been real pretty much workforce one in two minutes thirty one, which was five and a half seconds quicker than that. I mean, I'm sorry, Mick, Mick looks, and if you've ever watched Epsom, I mean, that that's probably coming from a man who's watched Epsom for about twenty years because there's been a bloody good salary in it. Uh, you know, well, there's people have been watching Epsom 40-odd year, and yeah. remember horses like heavy-topped horses like Nijinsky, Sarava, Golden Fleece. You know, there wasn't this pension for water in then, and none of those horses came back and jarred up or anything like that, and they all coped with it, you know? Um, Absolutely. It's, it's, a sad, it's a sad type of one. Catherine, by the way, uh, you know, touched on it. You know, I mean, you know, Catherine sort of said about how, because of society's attitudes, i.e., to the Grand National, etc., um, and, and other races, um, we're now dealing all of a sudden the word firm in the description is like an animal animal rights issue. You know, don't, don't you dare have any kind of firm in, in the description. Well, it's too fast, it's dangerous. You know, it's 
where, where has this come from? It's it's mental, absolutely mental. Um, and 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 bad for the game because a lot of these horses that race in the summer need this fast ground. They actually genuinely need it, and, and trainers seem to be going along with it. Oh, I, I, we don't want to jar him up. It's a long season. Well, if it's a long season, just don't run it till autumn then. You know, it's, it's just whatever. You, 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 know. you, you can't mess it up, honestly. The, the, the attitude of some of these people that's advocating watering non-stop, you know, it's unbelievable. Exactly. So we want to, uh, here at the Bar Stewards, we want to see the evidence. All this claptrap from anyone on Twitter, any, any, any media pundits, I, I want evidence. I want data to say that fast ground and, and good to firm ground uh, makes horses break down and, 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 and is at high risk of breaking down. I want to see those stats. I'll be waiting a long time. Anyway, we'll move on to the derby itself as in form-wise, John, and we'll go through some of the runners. So obviously, we've talked about Adair a lot. Adair a lot. Um, I'll, you know, I think um, me and you are very similar on assessing the rating of this horse. My reasons is that Midnight Legend, uh, Midnight Legend, that's the sire. Um, anyway, the handicap winner in the the, the one that, yeah. yeah. Kings oh, is it, is it? Yeah, Kings off, sorry. Um, in the handicap, it, it won in seven lengths slower than the Derby. So if you just do basic handicapping, that was carrying nine stone three. Adair was carrying nine stone. Adair won, won the race in seven lengths quicker. So weight for age at this time of year is 15 pounds. So with that all in, if you say Midnight's legacy has run to uh, 95, you add the £15 weight for age, that's 110, and then you add the distance that it, it won by, which was, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, the, the, the time difference, which was seven lengths quicker, which is about £9. That's 119, but it carried £3 less, so that's 116 so I'm around the 160, 117 mark for the winner. John, are you are you are you around that mark? I give it one one for. Yeah. Um, again, it's similar methodology, really. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the thing is, we can guarantee that the the form book. Pull, I mean, the, the, I'm just looking now. Actually, the racing post top speed figures come back quite high. They've given it 115. So you can bet your life that. The official BHA mark will be 120 plus, I would imagine, which yeah. I think's a, I think's a tad high for now. Um, you know, until I see sort of like, you know, more evidence. But I think it's a tad high at 120 plus. But I think that's what's coming because they they love to rate, and naturally so they want to they try they are trying to promote like the classics and they they need a champion they need a star. So I think I think we'll go to town on this and and give this a a pretty lofty rated than what me and John think. Um, down the field, John, anything that sort of caught your eye for the future or just something that you, you could maybe eye up for? If you own one of these, you know, the, I mean, you've got all sorts coming. You've got Ascot, you've got the Gordon Stakes and Goodwood, you've got the Voltager. Is, is there anything that you've seen amongst these that sort of what you'd do with them if you own them? I think um, one roller, I'd probably go for that... Um Mile five and a bit ledger trail at Goodwood. Um, I think that looks like it's going to stay pretty well. Um, that that was one that 
give, give me a bit of hope for the for the ledger. Yeah. Uh, in the main, what what the race flagged up to me, really, there was a lot of concerns about some of these horses for the few Tervey Sirens going off. <laughs> Bang on cue. Um, I mean, gear ups running like a dead horse. Uh, John Leeper, I mentioned before, he folded up like a cardboard box. He, he could have serious mental issues after being sent there. Bolshoi Ballet was about three quarters of an inch off losing a leg. Yeah. Um, you know, I think there's plenty to be concerned about out the out the also runs. Well, this is the thing, you know. I, I, when I when I always say to people, when you're hand, when you're handicapping and you're trying to come up with a rating and a figure, um, the thing for me is like third realm finished fifth and was was beaten a long way. So people are saying, well, what's amazing is so if you look on the racing purse side, the racing purse ratings have third realm running three pounds below its official mark. Well, that's bullshit. I mean, if that's run three pounds below its official mark. It, yeah. <laughs> Is John Nolan driving these? These swarfiger waders. I I mean, I think this this England match it must all be kicking off. They've taken they've taken the knee yet again, and they've caused caused a rash of racism in Middlesbrough because you know, I mean, everybody in Middlesbrough lives next door to one, but they don't like them, so. They're clearly booting up to some extent, eh? and it's all calling all cars. Get down on the riverside quick. <laughs> Somebody spotted so, a brown face. Yeah. Here, here first, folks. You know it's kicking off down the riverside um, in, the, in the England football. Yeah, but but yeah, I mean, so back back to it. So this is the thing about about third realm. So what what rating do you put on third realm for for pulling so hard and? It's unlikely it's got to anywhere near 108 on what I saw, yet the racing person have, have, have said 105. Well, that's not accurate, which means the, the winner's rating is not accurate. And that's that's the point about handicapping. I always say to people, try and try and get a good yardstick that you think's actually run its race properly and then do it through that. And and it kind of makes a little bit more sense. Um, and I, I think, think me and John... I think if, if, you, if you look to go as low as you possibly can... <laughs> you can't you can't go far wrong with Andy oh, yeah. because yeah, when, when something finally you. forces your hand and makes you give it a rating ten pound in advance or whatever it's done, you'll know then that you're absolutely bang on because you <laughs> tried everything to get this rating down. Absolutely. You, you know. I mean I mean we we say I mean if we were Max Winey we'd be saving that for autumn. You'd turn up at Ascot uh, champion, wouldn't you? Or or, or mile uh, uh I think, I think you'd have, you'd have to go for champion, wouldn't you? Um, six, I mean, six inch deep, and it, I mean, it'll, it'll win by it'll win by seventeen lengths. I mean, <laughs> I mean because, because Jim said it would stay, no problem, and it, it's a bit debatable whether it stayed yesterday. Just out of pure badness, Jim will want this to win over at least a man the quarter on Champions Day. Yeah, he, he can probably. Go to the QA toe quite confident, but it's Jim, so it'll be running the champion stakes. I would have said, Yeah, I mean, another thing about handicapping so Hurricane Lane apparently lost both its front shoes, lost both, right? 
Yeah, that's according to Racing Post, ran to form. Ran to form. I mean, this is the thing about you, you need a little bit of skill here to apply. And this is anyone can do it. You just you just apply logic and common sense. And you know, the, you can see already that the, the, they rated the Derby form probably a little bit too high. And as as uh, Frankie on the blower, he, he said, you know, why has Third Realm got beat so far? You can guarantee if, if that met the winner again at say Ascot and they both ran the races. There might be a couple of lengths between them. You know, it's it, it's it's that kind of thing, really. Sometimes things get exacerbated by, you know, like certain circumstances. And I, I honestly, my honest belief is not many in behind have run their true true races or anywhere close. I mean, Moho Star, who I like. I mean, it's not, you know, I, I think it's a bit bit a bit much to put it on. You know, 115 plus. It, it, it's it's a bit much. Um, I, I would say like you know, middle sort of like 105, 106 to 109 is is feasible. Um, but but yeah, it's this is the thing about handicapping. But going forwards, I'm a bit concerned already about the derby form because the only two I'd take out of it really for now, maybe maybe the third as well, Hurricane Lane, but but the, the, are the front two, um, which are are they are. What what will be that in the what will be that in the ledger? Nothing, um, nothing at all. Uh, and and Moho Star. And by the way, the one that beat Moho Star, John, I wanted to bring this up. Um, Manobu. I mean, it's a gelding, which is a shame. But I mean, this this horse looks an absolute machine. I mean, it, I mean, it could be one of the ones, couldn't it? I, I I mean, it was all over the place at Kempton. Still, it didn't know what it was doing. It was like, what's this? It's a bend. Oh, it's oh, it's another bend. All right, all right. It's won four and a quarter pulling a cart, and I know they like the fellows, Mr. Curiosity. I know they like that horse a lot, a real lot. And it, it destroyed it. And I just think you might get, put it this way, if you, if you said to me, who would you back in a two-horse race, the Derby winner or Minerva, I'm having to think twice. And I, I honestly don't, I, for now, I don't know. If they, if they met in a race, what would you buy? I mean, I, I I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. Minerva, well, I think, so, you know. Well, maybe Charlie Appleby was so chuffed after the derby, it was nothing they were winning the derby. You know, he had one six length better at home. <laughs> he could well be. You know, I mean, has that, has that happened before? Anybody's won a derby and they've got one that can wipe the floor with it? Absolutely. So, I mean, I, this is one thing you get out of this show. You're getting a, you're getting a surefire. I think this is Group 1 Minerva. So, so, that's where I'd play it. Wherever Minerva turns up next, hammer it the night before on the prices. I I think it's a machine. I just that he's just he's just not that quite there mentally. That's probably why they had to geld him. He's probably just think he's like Willie Agus. He's got his shirt on and he's ready. He's got his shagging shirt on every time he goes to the races. This one, isn't he? That's why they've geld him. Uh, yeah. Anyway, right. So just to finish the show off, I'm gonna. Uh, have you got any Jimmy Lindley job? I haven't. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, well, I'll just finish the show off with with a Jimmy Lindley for for our uh, listeners because I know you you like the odd uh, tidbit here and there uh, with with horses. And I, I spotted one actually, and it, it was today of all, of all days, and it was at Kilbegan. We love an Irish spotter. Um, one twenty at Kilbegan today. Uh, galley flight of uh, uh, trained by um, uh, Philip Fenton. And uh, ridden by Jamie Hayes, uh, claiming the four. Uh, this horse was, uh, I don't think it was that busy. And secondly, 
it wants a lot further. It wants three miles. It's been running over two miles, two mile two. You can, if this gets 110 or less as a handicap mark, you can absolutely follow this over a cliff when it gets three miles or two and three quarter miles plus over hurdles. So that's galley flight today, 120 at Kilbegan. Really caught my eye. Uh, I think I think there's a lot more to come from that horse. Real lot more. Real state. Real dour. Very very dour. So watch out for that in future. Uh, right. I hope you have enjoyed our ramblings, our musings. Has always been been fun. Me and John love this show, and we appreciate all your questions and everything you send in because it helps make the show, and so we appreciate that. And uh, we'll be back on Friday as usual next weekend's fair and we also have a special guest lined up for next week's Sunday sermon from Dan Saff. you know and we get we get we get a different different level of humor when we get Dan Saff on here so yeah that's all from me and John today we hope you enjoyed the show have a great week bye for now